Welcome to Massive Late Fee. And now your hosts, Mark and Carol. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to Massive Late Fee. It is August 27th, 1994. My name is Mark. With me, as always, is my co-host, Carol. How are you doing, Carol? Hey, what's up? Not much. We've had a good week here. I'll tell you, it's it's State Fair Week, the Michigan State Fair. Woo woo! Are you excited? I'm so excited. I can't wait to see some pigs and <laughs> yeah. No, I, I do. I like fairs. Yeah, the, the Michigan State Fair is okay. I guess it is a little. It is a little countryish, a little yeehaw. Well, that's because you know most of Michigan is not Detroit. You know. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> The uh, Clint Black's going to be there playing. Who, who is that? Some country star. Okay, but see, I don't like country. A so country that star means nothing to me. The Ramblin' Thunder Cloggers. Wow. <laughs> oh, the A and W Easter Seals are going to be there. You know, I would get Easter Seals, but I wouldn't know what to feed them. Uh huh. Uh, uh, <laughs> Oh, Bill Witter of Las Vegas was there. Can he take us back to Las Vegas? That would be cool. Yeah, I would love it. You know, I had a dream that we were living in Las Vegas. Really? Yeah. I could see that. And then that we were moving back. Why would we ever do... If we ever get out of here and go somewhere as cool as Las Vegas, we are staying. It was you, me, and your mom. And we had children. Huh. And we were packing things up. I really had this dream last night. Okay, well, do your dreams usually come true? Uh, I don't, I don't think so. Because I mean, I'm sorry, but if we were living with my mom, that would be a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree. Um, so Dennis Archer was, uh, and and Governor Engler were there, obviously. But the the biggest the biggest celebrity there. Apparently, was this dude, Bill Witter, who was dressed as Uncle Sam with really big striped pants, and he was 10 feet tall. Yeehaw. On stilts. Alrighty. So, that was uh, fun. I'm sure we didn't go. (laughs) Maybe, I mean, is it too late? Is it too late to go to the Michigan State Fair? Yeah. No, it's it's on till uh, September or something. Let's do it. Yeah, okay, sure. Last time I went, a goat almost ate my shirt. (laughs) They'll eat anything. Well, that's a goat after my own heart, I guess. (laughs) Trying to get your shirt off. Right. Um, Oh, someone escaped from Ryan Prison. Did you know that? (gasps) No? Yeah. So be, uh, be safe out there, everybody. Right? That's scary. What the hell are they doing at this prison? Get it together, people. Yeah, I don't know. Today's an ozone action day, though. Just so uh, everyone out there knows. Just be careful. Don't use uh, gasoline-powered devices like lawnmowers, stuff like that. Don't buy gasoline. Don't keep the engines idling. Ride your bicycles. Yeah. Ozone action day, everybody. We're trying to we're trying to fix the ozone layer. Yep. What do you think? Ten years will be all better? Yeah. Yeah, probably sure. <laughs> uh, so, 
The other one other news I have is uh, rockers uh, start a program to help curtail drinking and driving. Oh, okay. Yeah, there's a video with uh, Paul McCartney, Phil Collins, Little Richard, Melissa Etheridge singing uh, Drive My Car. <laughs> it's for designated drivers. It's recording artists against drunk driving or rad. That's awesome. <laughs> but that, uh, that's also at the, the Michigan State Fair. Huh. Cool. Yep. Another reason to go. Yeah, they're looking for, they're doing, for three months, they're looking for 100,000 people who don't drink and drive to be designated drivers. They just sign this petition. I'm pretty sure it's a non-binding petition, so. You know, I actually won a uh, a contest for uh, writing an essay for MAD. Oh, really? I won first place, and I, I got to meet Governor Engler. Oh, wow. How is that piece of shit? Uh, I mean, you know, honorable governor yeah. of our great state. <laughs> I don't know. Just shook hands. I didn't really talk so much. But. You know, I've always, had a, I've always had a problem with mad and sad. Why? Because mad is mothers against drunk driving. And sad is students against driving drunk. It implies that no mothers drink and drive and that only students drink and drive. I don't like it at all. How does it imply that? Because it's stu- it's not students against drunk driving. It's students against driving drunk. It's students against, you know, we're the ones who are driving drunk. So we're against driving drunk. It's an action verb. Okay. But it's mothers against drunk driving. The concept of huh. drunk driving. I wonder why they did that. That's yeah. yeah, I don't like it at all. Well, no, because I think a lot of times it's not students. No, I mean, there's plenty I mean, of adult people that drive drunk, I'm plenty, sure. Plenty, and there are a lot of students who don't even have a license. So Yeah, I just, I don't, I don't like it. Hmm. I don't like it at all. I think it's uh, a hypocritical backwards message. So, uh, on another note, guys, I just want to tell you, I have like a canker sore and it hurts to talk a little bit. So if I sound funny... That's why I'm not I'm not drunk. Yeah. I'm just having some trouble with talking. That's true. Carol is behaving right now like a high class uh hooker. <laughs> no kissing. No kissing on the lips. Right. I'm like I'm like uh, Julia Roberts in Pretty Woman. Right. We can't kiss on the lips because, you know. Because I love you and I don't want to give you pain. Right. <laughs> not this week anyway. Hey. Uh <laughs> Sometimes you like it when I give you pain. Okay, let's not talk about that. <laughs> so, uh, you, you heard of Carl Lumley? No. Yeah, no it is. But he's going to star as the superhero Mantis. Oh boy. The sci-fi drama debuts on Channel 50. It's a Fox Mantis is M period, A period, N period, T period, I period, S period. I don't know what it is because I don't read comic books. But I'll tell you what, it's not Superman or Batman, meaning it's going to be crap. Right. Because all superhero movies that feature somebody that is not superhero or that is not Superman or is not Batman are always bad and probably always will be bad. For sure. They need to just stop. Now. 
So Mantis, I want to see if what Mantis stands for. I'm trying to. I'm looking through this article in the news. There, the sorry, the Detroit Free Press. I was called the Detroit News, but it's the Free Press. And okay, Mega Amplified Neurotransmitting Interceptor System. So, he, so he's not even a superhero. He's just in a suit. <laughs> he's in a suit that is superhero-ish. Oh my! What are the what, so what do they do? Well, they're trying that... to they're trying to start. Oh my god! They're trying to have a superhero franchise or whatever uh, launched with a guy that's not, has no superpowers at all. He's just in a suit. But what a fucking stupid idea! But but that's Batman. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. No, not a little bit. That is Batman. Batman has no superpowers. Batman, yeah, Batman only is rich and has technology. Yeah, I guess that's true. I guess that's true. That is that is Batman, huh? You know, I've been watching a lot on Comedy Central, huh? Soap. Uh-huh. <laughs> You're such a dork. Do 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 do. You, I, how does that make me a dork? Because that's old as shit. That's like something I w- our moms watch. I, yeah, I did. Yeah, my mom did watch it, but I I, I remember watching when I was a kid with my mom. Like when I was real little and it would, I remember it seemed like it was on at like midnight or one in the morning, like really late at night. It was probably on at like nine or right. 10, but it just, it just seemed really late at night to me. But I remember very vaguely watching, I remember uh, very specifically an episode where a baby started flying because the baby was uh, the devil's baby. Oh my God. And I, I said to my mom, like, I was like, does that really happen to people <laughs> or something like that? My mom was like, no, honey, no, it's just a show. Wow. But yeah. So I, I remember that very, very specifically watching that along with her. Uh, but yeah, I, I like soap. It's, it's a, it's funny. It's a parody. It doesn't matter that it's old. Some stuff doesn't never goes out of style. You know. I guess. I mean, I really like the movie Gigi. Well, there you go. Should I make fun of you? Sure. Say you're a grandma. Sure. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to do that because I, I love you. And I would never make fun of you and make you feel bad about liking things. But you won't watch Gigi with me. I will. Just get a tape and I'll watch it with you. Okay. I will. I've told you that before that I'd watch it I'm going to do it. I'm holding you to it. Okay. <laughs> so, speaking of old, Johnny Cash news. Ooh. I like Johnny Cash. <laughs> Johnny Cash, the modern rock hero. Uh, they say that sounds about as likely as Tony Bennett videos airing on MTV, but they do now. <laughs> so uh, Johnny Cash is, uh, let's see, he's doing, what's he doing? He's doing a, a benefit, I think. What kind of benefit? Oh, wait. No, no, no. He's recording a new album. <laughs> what? Maybe you should read the whole thing before you talk about it. Well, I saw a picture of Johnny Cash, and I know you like Johnny Cash. He's recording a new album called American Recordings, produced by Rick Rubin, whose hip credentials include the Red Hot Chili Peppers, Beastie Boys, and Slayer. So, American Recordings. So, when that comes out, we should we should talk about it on our mixtape. Yeah, absolutely. We should. Get those mixtapes, guys. Uh, so he's recorded 
songs with the Red Hot Chili Peppers, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, and the Red Devils. Hmm. Huh. I don't know who the Red Devils are, but the rest of them sound okay. Yeah, I don't know. There's also a big review of some movie called Natural Born Killers. Some movie. I wonder I wonder if two very very outstanding reviewers will review that hmm. for the our audience today. Good question. <laughs> and then there's another article. This is the last piece of news I have that I think would be, you know, relevant to our our audience. It says what the hell? It says Juliet Lewis is one of those stars you either love or hate. Who hates Juliet Lewis? Not me. She's so good. She is. And she's busy. Like, I mean, she just did uh, What's Eating Gilbert Grape not that long ago. Oh, yeah, that's right. She was in that. A typical movie actor is loved by some, liked by others, and inspires ambivalence in the majority of people. Huh? Whose opinion varies along the quality of the actor's projects. I don't know. But anyway, so Juliet Lewis is Juliet Lewis is a raw oyster. What? <laughs> That's that? what it says. That sounds dirty. The mere thought of her <laughs> makes a goodly number of people gag. What, what the fuck? What are you talking about? I think I think maybe just this person feels this way. All right. If any of you out there hate Juliet Lewis, um, write us and yeah. tell us. Let us know. Find a way to give that information to us. Um, they don't need to search for a way anymore. They just need to write us at massivelatefee94 at AOL.com. Yeah. Or latefee94, I believe, at AOL.com. Oh, yeah. Damn it. I should, like, <laughs> I should, like, write it on the back of my hand. <laughs> yep. Anyway, so it says, currently on screen in Natural Born Killers, formerly on display in Husbands and Wives, California, which you still need to see California. I like that movie, though. Yeah. And What's Eating Gilbert Grape. She's an actress with such vivid and uh, ineradicable mannerisms that she demands to be embraced wholly or rejected utterly. <laughs> the fuck? And she belongs to that breed of movie actors who provoke heated debate, divided opinion, as sharply as Rush Limbaugh or Ross Perot do. Wow, really? <laughs> Rush Limbaugh? <laughs> Get your hands off of my... Yeah. I, I really do hate him, yeah. <laughs> okay, it's latefee1994 at AOL.com. Ha. That's what I said. Oh, okay. I can do a Ross Perot, too. Like I just did the Rush Limbaugh. You want me to do my Ross Do Perot? it. Nah, 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 nah. Now, 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 you can't trust government. can't trust government, see? The government only wants to take your money. I got all the money in the world. I don't need your money. He kind of sounds like a Bugsy. It's, yeah, I, kind of, I think you mean... I don't know what you mean exactly. Like a, like, a, like a godfather, like, kind of type person. Oh, that's not what I thought you were going for at all. Oh. <laughs> you think this sounds like a godfather? Or maybe an old-time newspaper reporter? <clears throat> See? Yeah. Yeah, get him. Okay, so that's what you mean. Like a James Cagney. Yeah. That's what you mean. Yeah, that's it. <sighs> okay, I get it. What's the old the old newspaper reporter be like? All right now, Dan. You say it. You say it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. You're so silly. Yep. 
So that's it for the news. <laughs> Today we watched something new. If you pay attention to what we do at all, you'll know that yesterday we released our tape about 90210 because we're starting 90210 as its own. 90210 has so, become so big and iconic mm-hmm. for our show that it's its own thing now. So check out that tape if you want to hear our thoughts on 90210. And, you know, I don't know, be happy. Just <laughs> embrace a loved one today. But anyway, this week we watched something new. Carol, what did we watch? We watched, I've been waiting for so long, we watched My So-Called Life. Yeah, exactly. It was so good. It was uh, It was very interesting. <laughs> um, you know, okay, so Claire Danes. Yeah, and, um, Miss Danes. Yeah, Miss Danes. I don't know. <laughs> she started out as a blonde, and she was not blonde. Yeah, you, you can keep insisting on calling her blonde. It's she had brown hair. It was gross. It was light brown, dishwater blonde, whatever you want to call it. It was gross. Okay, I'll give you dishwater blonde. And, you know, one of the first things that happens is that she dyes her hair bright red, which is so much better. She should keep her hair like that forever. She looks very good with the red hair. Yeah. So this is this really great show um, about this girl who, what grade, does it say what grade she's in? I think she's maybe like a sophomore. Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I think, I think she's a sophomore. But she's in high school. And, um... She's, like, kind of going through some kind of changes where, like... Well, they can't drive, can they? No. No, they always need to get rides from people. So I think maybe she's a freshman. Maybe that's she's possible. just starting high school. Yeah, that's possible. <clears throat> um, But, like, she's... I guess she had, like, a best friend and she'd been... But she had been on yearbook the year before. Yeah. Although, so, I mean, are we coming in media radius or what, however they say that? Where it's the middle of the school year, or is it the beginning of the school year? I don't know. Because she may have been on yearbook from the beginning of the school year, and now she, you know, spoilers, now she's not. I, I, I'm assuming that since the school year is starting now, that it's supposed to be, like, a similar time period, time frame, like. So it's it's around September in their world. Yeah. 1994. That's what I'm thinking. I don't know. Okay. Well, I, I'll give that to you then. And yeah, let's say sophomore. I suppose she could be 15 and be a sophomore. Yeah. She mm-hmm. could be turning 16 at some point during this season. Right. So. So look forward down the road to Claire Danes learning how to drive. Claire Danes graduating from high school. Claire Danes going to college as right. this show continues. Yeah. So, okay. So it seems like she's going through a change. Like, she'd been on yearbook, and she had this best friend, and, mm-hmm. like, the show starts out with her saying she started hanging out with Rianne Graff because it felt like if she didn't, she would die. Yeah. Everything. Now, here's the thing that I think probably speaks to you and all the young ladies out there more than it does to us young gentlemen, although the show is good and interesting. Everything about her is so big and emotions are so big and everything and guys don't go through exactly the same type of thing. Um, yeah, I would definitely agree with that. I mean, 
I, I feel I feel everything like pretty deeply. And I mean, to me, well, if you notice, she's actually very quiet. Yes, she is. The the movie, it's like narrated, though, like internal dialogue. It's not a movie. The but yeah. show. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we get, we get to know what's going on in her head. And, and honestly, girls, uh, I think that if guys knew what all was going on in our heads all the time, they would be scared. So, <laughs> Probably. <laughs> um, cause I mean, yeah, I mean, I think that a lot of times we, we think and feel things deeper and more intensely than we necessarily let on to the rest of the world. But that's not true for guys. I would describe her character as, I don't it's like she's a mirage. That's what I would describe. Not not a mirage, exactly, but she's quiet on the outside, and there's a raging storm of emotions right. on the inside. And I think that this Claire Danes, Angela is her name, yes. right? Yes, yes. I think she plays this Angela really well. She's a very good actress. Yeah. And I think that's... that's the challenge is to play her, you know, in that way. Because like I said, I think she's, she's all calm, quiet exterior and all this stuff going on inside of her. And that's, I think the reason and the need for the narration. Yeah, for sure. Um, but it's, it's just, it's very interesting. The whole thing, like they're reading, um, the diary of Anne Frank. Yeah. And she (laughs) says out loud, that she, when the teacher asks, like, how they would describe Anne Frank, and she says lucky. Now, you can tell she was meaning to just think it, but yeah, one of the rare times she let her internal dialogue slip. Right. And everybody's, like, horrified because, you know, I mean, the girl dies in a concentration camp. And she actually tries to defend the point. <laughs> that she's locked up for three years with a boy that she likes a lot. <laughs> Oh, my God. I would die. I would just, like, crawl under furniture and die. You know, it's funny because later she sort of comes back to it. And I like that they don't, that they don't, full, like, that, that it's not, bang, here it is. Here's her idea. Right. And I think it's subtler than that. Uh-huh. Uh, speaking of subtle, we'll still talk about the movie in a minute. <laughs> right. <laughs> but anyway, so I like that. But, yeah, she does have a point, a point I've never really thought of. Uh, but let me ask you a question real quick. Do you think like that at all, ever? Do you think purely in conceptualization, in pictures and things like that, or abstract? Or do you ever think in dialogue? Do you ever think in words? I think in yourself? dialogue all the time. Yeah, I do too. I've talked to people that say, oh, that's weird huh. that you think like that. Really? Like, like my thoughts are always just conceptualized or always just pictures or, you know, always just like... Concepts. I don't think to myself, you know, Mark, <laughs> this is uh, this is quite a situation you've got yourself in, or or, or hmm. anything like that. But I think I I think I do both. Sometimes yeah. I think in pictures or conceptualization when I'm imagining or or thinking something. But sometimes and I like to write, and I, I don't know if that's part of it. Maybe maybe, maybe writers do that more. Yeah, than, I, write, I write too more than people that don't write. But sometimes I do think just in blocks of text. Like it would be if you took out my thoughts, it would be narration. So, yeah, I mean, I, it's not a block of text. Like, I'm not like picturing the words or anything. No, but me I, either. I have the dialogue 
going on in my head. Yeah, exactly. Especially like if you if you ever see me staring off into space with my eyes open, then I'm almost oh, yeah, for sure never doing happened. that. That's never happened. Never when we're recording. This, <laughs> never, ever, ever. ever. Right. But um, you know, I mean, if I shut my eyes, I'm a lot more likely to be picturing things or conceptualizing. But if my eyes are open, I'm pretty much always thinking yeah. in narration and using the visual part of my mind for whatever I'm seeing. Yep. No, I I, I hear you. So, um, yeah, it was just it's a really interesting show. Um. Jared Leto's character, uh, what the hell is his name? And his name is, his, his, this is real quick uh, trivia for all you guys out there. His name is French for the toe. La toe. <laughs> You're so silly. <laughs> um, I like that you politely laugh at all my horrible jokes. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm feeling fondly towards you today. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> um, you want me to make you feel better again? From your your thing, okay. <laughs> um, okay. Now you've just distracted me. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, what is his name though? Jordan Catalano. Yes, thank you. He's Italian, apparently. Does not look Italian. He does not look Italian. I wonder if he is Italian in real life, though. Is Leto or uh, Leto? No, that a, sounds like French. A, a a yeah, it's French for the toe. No, it is not. <laughs> I guess yeah, maybe maybe Leto or Leto. I think Leto is how you say his name. Jared Leto. Jared Leto. Well, if we say it Leto, it's definitely not French. I, well, yeah, I guess it depends. But that's the difference between saying like croissant and croissant. <laughs> Nobody says cr- croissant. Cr- croissant. They say croissant. Croissant. Give me a croissantwich. That's what I say. Okay, that's Burger King. Uh huh. That's not actual croissants. No, but those are croissants. No, the they sandwich? are, but I mean, like, that's not how you, you're, that's how you order it at Burger King specifically. Don't wear outs. By the way, what a ripoff. What? Don't you think McDonald's came up with the idea of let's take an English muffin, cut it in half, put one of our burgers with cheese in there or, or, you know, a sausage version of our burger with cheese in there. And Burger King saw that and was like, oh, well, we can't do the, can't do the English muffin because they did that. Hey, let's just do it with a croissant. Well, you know what? You know, croissants aren't shaped like a uh, hamburger in any way, right? Nah, eh, just do it anyway. <laughs> but, okay, well, first of all, why does it need to be shaped like a hamburger? It's not a hamburger. I don't know. It is, though. Both of them are shaped like, uh, there's circles like a hamburger is. The croissants? Yeah. The croissant, the croissandwich, the meat in there? Yeah, it's a circle. Huh. Isn't it? I don't think so. It's been a long time well, since depends. I had one. It depends on what you get, because, like, I like to get bacon. Oh, well, yeah, bacon's not going to be shaped like a burger. But yeah, of course the sausage. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you meant the croissant was shaped like a burger, and then I no, was so confused. No, the croissant, the croissant's shaped like a croissant. <laughs> oh my god, let's get back to the show. <laughs> okay. Um, So she said that with uh, Jordan Catalano, that he, he leans on things. Yeah. She likes the way he leans. And that he always looks like his eyes hurt. <laughs> Probably. I, think it's I, I know he's why stoned. I know why his eyes yeah. hurt. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought when she said because she says he he's always closing his eyes like it hurts him to look at things. Yeah. And I was like, Yeah, I know why he's closing his eyes. I know why he's using Visine all the time. Right. 
And um and then at one point in the episode they're talking and not her and him but her and her friend Rayanne. Rayanne, yeah, Rayanne who has some interesting hair as well. Oh my god, I love her hair. I want like if I had to choose, it would be like like Sophie's choice to choose between. Wow, well that's very respectful. <laughs> that's very respectful of that choice. Maybe I'll just get Rayanne's hair, but I'll dye it Angela's color. I can see how the. the how the choice between two different hairstyles equates to the choice between which one of your kids you want to die. Oh, shush. Um, <laughs> but she says, the like, okay. Sophie's choice situation there. Shut up. <laughs> okay, and Ricky. Ricky's their other friend. The three of them are talking. Ricky. I know someone that, I know someone that looks a lot like Ricky. Yeah? Oh, yeah. Who? His Robbie. name's Robbie. Okay. And he is from, I want to say he's from Bangladesh, or, well, his family is. He's He was born here in the United States, but he's he's dark. Okay. Like, almost the exact same shade as Ricky is. And he dresses a, a little, you know, sort of out there. Feminine. Yeah, and, and kind of, not. I don't want to say garish. No offense, Robbie, but I, I don't want to say garish or anything like that. But he he dress it's flamboyant, I suppose. Okay, is a good word for him. See, I don't, and think, he is gay. I don't think Ricky's flamboyant. Do you? No, not, I mean not overtly, but he he doesn't dress like a giant. I mean, like he has his own unique sense of style. Correct. Yeah, but it, I wouldn't say it's flamboyant. It's just different. I mean, it's not like he's wearing, like, girls' clothes or anything super-duper girly. He no, is no, wearing no, no. earrings and makeup, which bothers Angela's mother. But And her dad, right? Her dad I, mentioned something about he wears an earring or something. Like oh, that. makeup. Eyeliner, that was it. Yeah. Eyeliner. And, and he's bisexual, as we yeah. find out. And then the little sister's... So the little sister said something about it, didn't she? Well, because Angela said he's bi. Oh, and she and the mom says, "What do you mean he's bi?" And the little sister says, "It means bisexual." Right. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, her parents are a little uptight, but they definitely have a lot uh, going on. Oh yeah, and it a lot a lot going on that we don't see a ton of. We just see like you know like shades of it. Yeah, we don't get super in depth into their characters. But we get enough to know exactly what the nature of their relationship is and, and, and kind of what's going on with them. You can tell that they, um, they're having issues because, like, they're never, they never agree with each other about, like, it seems like anything. And, um, the episode ends with, um, Angela actually catching her dad cheating on her mom. So, well, yeah. that's what it looks like. But yeah, I mean, I guess I'm jumping to conclusions. She doesn't but... walk in, uh, on him having sex with some other woman. He, she walks, she comes home and sees him arguing with a young lady. He was in arguing in front with her? of her car. Yeah, they were. Weren't they arguing back? And I forth? thought they were laughing. I thought they were just talking like with their hands a lot. Oh, maybe they're Italian. <laughs> um, I thought they were arguing. Like he was basically saying, "Why the hell would you show up here at my house?" <laughs> that that 
That makes a lot of sense well, to me. He was supposed to be out with his brother. Yeah. Playing so pool. I don't think he was out with his brother, so I don't think she just well, randomly No shit. I don't I don't think she randomly showed up there. I think they met each other someplace and she came back to his house and then he started yelling at her. Maybe. We'll see, you know, as as the as the show goes on, I'm sure they'll explain something. But then, yeah, all of a sudden, Angela has has sympathy for her mother. After yeah, that. yeah. Angela has been like hating on her mom this whole episode, and then she goes in and like apologizes to her mom and, and cuddles with her like yeah. she's five years old again. Yeah, she actually starts crying and stuff. It was mm-hmm. it was touching though. Like I get it was that. touching. Yeah. Like I I mean I would I would my heart would break for my mom if that happened. It's funny, the. The sort of battle of the generations, I guess, between the the baby boomers ish, the the group that grew up to be like hippies when they were teenagers or whatever, or maybe just just past that, and then you know got married, settled down, sold out, had kids. That's that's the that's the generation. I mean. My parents are much older, so my parents aren't part of that generation. Because my dad was like 50 years old when I was born. So, but for most people in our generation, that's the the dichotomy. The the people that that were the hippies raised <laughs> are raising us now. Right. And so that's that's an interesting sort of battle between those different philosophies and those different types of generations. Us and and them, and I think that's a lot of what the show's about. The show's also about growing up, and I I don't know exactly who wrote the show or who created the show, but whoever did create the show really listened or, or did a very good job of of figuring out what what teenage girls are like. Oh yeah, because this show is very authentic. Mm-hmm. And Rayanne almost gets raped. Yeah. Yeah, well, they go to a club. Yeah, the, for the, the, the two days that the that show takes place during, right. both days they try to go to places where they think Jordan Catalano is going to be. <laughs> yeah. Well, the first time he is there. Yep. She goes to a party. He's there both times. Yeah. he goes to She goes to a party. And it it's like insane. It looks more like a rock concert. Like I want to know what with these TV parties we keep seeing. Like I never yeah. get invited to parties like this. Do you? I mean, do, no. The parties are you we going go to, to pool are parties without me. <laughs> maybe the, maybe the parties we go to look this way from the outside. I guess. <laughs> maybe when you're in a party so. like that, it doesn't seem so raucous. But maybe we don't have live bands at our <laughs> at our parties. Right. This is the second party we've seen on TV that have live band. So. Some kid decides to try to crowd surf and knocks into her and knocks yeah. her down yeah. and she falls in the mud and in she the she looked she looks so pretty too I felt so bad for her. Yeah. Um she goes inside I'm assuming to find a bathroom to clean herself up. Correct. But guess who's sitting there by himself in the living room watching TV? Yeah, watching a rock concert while one goes on outside. <laughs> right. No, it was uh, it wasn't an MTV music video. Oh yeah, it was just MTV videos, yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's Jordan Catalano. That's right. So they exchange what two sentences? He says <laughs> that it doesn't feel like a Friday. Friday, and she says it's Thursday. Right. Is that it? Basically. Yeah. And she's like, "Oh, are you sure?" 
And she said, well, yesterday was Wednesday. So, yeah, that's how I know. (laughs) So, yeah, that's the entirety of their exchange. And then his friends come in and say this party blows and they're going somewhere else. Right. So then the next day, I think it actually is Friday, and they're supposed to be going to a rave at a club. I mean, I don't know. They called it a rave. It looks like a club. I don't know. Yeah. Something. Well, a lot of raves took place at, take place at clubs. Okay. Um, and who? Tito, Tino? Tino? Like, Ricky's cousin? Gino's Pizza. Ricky's cousin is supposed to be able to get them into this club that they shouldn't be able to get into. Right. Yeah, well, you have to be... I, 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 I presume you have to be 21. Right. So they're waiting in the parking lot for for Ricky's cousin to come and get them right. in. Right. And while they're waiting, because Jordan Catalano is supposed to be there, um, Rayanne is drinking. Yep. I think she's the only one that's drinking. At first, I thought maybe Angela was drinking with her because they were both so giggly, but I think she was just normal giggly. <laughs> um, and they're waiting. And that's when I was going to say, this kind of circles back to Jordan's eyes hurting. When Ricky says, what do you want someone to say to you? Like, when you're about to have make love for the first time, I think? Yeah, that's correct. And Rianne thinks it's a stupid question or whatever, and is, like, making fun of him, but Angela... Yeah, she's like, what's your name again? Right? <laughs> Angela says, you're so beautiful, it hurts to look at you. Yeah. Which, I mean, that just, it's gotta be Jordan. That she's thinking of, obviously. Of course. She's got a huge crush on them. Um, As Krakow? I think that's what she calls him. Yeah, Brian Krakow. That's, uh, yeah, I didn't hear her say the first name. But that's, uh, that's he he deduces that she has a crush on, on Jordan Catalano. That's her next door neighbor who, who very clearly has a crush on her. Right. And he was in yearbook with her along with her old best friend. Yeah. Who I think he's the photographer for your book, and um, her old best friend, whose name I can't remember right now. You know, throughout the episode, they, there's some stuff going on there. Like she she breaks down crying and asks her, you know, why are you not friends with me anymore? Basically, oh, that was such a weird conversation for, from a guy's perspective. <laughs> it was a totally normal conversation. <laughs> it was exactly like how it would go down. Okay, well, it, it, I mean, good for for accuracy for guys. It's going to look weird. Um, because yeah, she's just, she's like kind of insults her and then compliments her and then cries. It's yeah. So yeah, they're at the, the, the rave and Rayanne sees two guys and decides to flirt with them. Well, did, did she start it or did they start it? Uh, I don't remember exactly who started it, but the one guy calls her over to him. Yeah. And while walking towards him, she's like, I don't have to do what you say or whatever. I'm not going to come when you call. And he's like, you're standing here because she walked over to him. Yeah. And um, then what all happens? Do you want to? He pushes her against the car. Yeah. Uh, starts kissing her. She kind of starts saying no and everything. Like, she's, Well, yeah, because he was hurting her. She's fighting back. And then, you know, like he's basically doesn't care. So he's going to rape her. His uh, his buddy. It's like, hey, you know, like, stop and shit like that. Well, and his friend kept saying all the whole time, he's like, they're too young, man. They're too young. Let's go. Yeah. Angela or, or yeah, I think it was Angela or Ricky or somebody kind of hits him. He Yeah, he turns and, like, pushes her down. Yeah. And then uh, a cop comes up. Well, no, Rayanne threw her liquor bottle at his car. Yeah. 
and it shattered everywhere. That's when the cops came. Yep. And uh, and so yeah, you don't want to break a liquor bottle outside, guys. That's that's a sure way to get the cops to come. I, I speak from experience. Seriously, <laughs> and it looked like he it looked like he just uh, materialized from nowhere. Right? No, that's how it happens. The sound of a breaking liquor bottle. It's like it's like a dog <laughs> whistle to police. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, so the the cop shows up and the the guy is like, you know, he lets him go. He's like, you know, get get the hell out of here, kind of thing. You can see his buddy is is reevaluating his friendship with this guy in real time. Oh yeah. And so the cop says uh, that he'll take them home, and Rand's like, "Oh, we needed a ride, good." Right. <laughs> <kind of> <laughs> Then Jordan Catalano shows up and, and sees Angela get stuffed into the back of a police car. You know what I want to know is, where's Ricky? Oh, yeah, I don't know. Because he was with them. Why didn't he get a ride? Did the police hate him because he's gay, too? Just like those guys are like, no, not him, not three. Just, yeah. <laughs> like when he they, they were going to go with, they were going to go with the guys. Yeah. The two girls were going to get in a van with these two asshole guys. Yeah, it was a really smart decision on their oh. part. Then they would have both been raped. I'm sorry. No matter how nice he might seem, just because he tried to stop her from ra- getting raped, I think it was more like, hey, we're outside. <laughs> wow. Okay. Maybe. I don't know. But anyway, so, yeah, the cop drops them off at home. Rand's mom is not home. Hasn't been home all night. So, yeah, there's something there. The cop helped her in, though. That was nice. Like, mm-hmm. you know, she was, like, swerving everywhere, and she's all leaning on him and shit. So then uh, the cop drops her off at home, and she says, can you not come to my door and everything? And he, he's like, he just lets her off. And- well, he saw uh, Krakow in the tree. Yeah. And says, hey, are you her friend? Act like it. Right. Take care of her. So that was nice, too. Yeah, he seemed like a nice police officer. So then he leaves, and that's when she sees the cheating. And that's kind of how the episode ends. So we'll see what happens uh, on the second episode. But yeah, it's super good. If you missed the first episode, now you're up to speed. You better catch up and watch it because it's like, I love this show, guys. It's very good. I liked it, too. So we saw a movie, I think, (laughs) this weekend. Uh, Oliver Stone's new masterpiece, Natural Born Killers. It was based on a script by a uh, a writer named Quentin Tarantino, who did a movie called uh, Reservoir Dogs that I've I've seen, and I think he's got a new movie coming out. You say things it's weird. Here. What? Reservoir Dogs. <laughs> you know, I just do that. I know, but I just don't. Anyway, sorry. I just I don't know why. So anyway, <laughs> but this is uh, this is through and through an Oliver Stone movie. I will say that. And so I guess you are having some problems with your mouth. So I'm going to go through the the plot of this. Yes, I do have some things I will want to say about it, but you can definitely take the lead here. So the movie stars Mickey and Mallory a.k.a. Woody Harrelson and Juliette Lewis, which is the best thing about the movie, is Woody Harrelson and Juliette Lewis. Perfect casting. You can't make this movie without these two people. And this couldn't be Tom Hanks and Meryl Streep. Right. 
You know, there's just there's just no way. Tom Hanks is a very good actor. You know, good on him for for winning the Academy Award last year for for Philadelphia, and he was very good in Forrest Gump. But this is not a role he can play. And same with Meryl Streep, who's, who's a you know fantastic actress. No one else. No, I can't think of anyone else. I cannot think of another two actors male and female, that could have done this part. Because Woody Harrelson and Juliette Lewis are both incredibly good at being sinister, being creepy, being off-putting, and charming at the same time. Mm -hmm. And that's what makes this work. Especially Woody Harrelson. Juliette Lewis is fantastic as well, but especially... Woody Harrelson in this role. Woody Harrelson, just there's something about him that he can come off as like the most vile person in the world, but you still like him. It's yeah, weird. for sure. And in real life, he's probably like one of the nicest people in the world. That's probably part of it. Yeah, he just can't turn it off. But anyway, so they are spree killers. Uh, they, they reject the term serial killer as someone sort of tries to erroneously call them at some point in the movie carol asked me what the difference was the difference is a serial killer kills one victim over a series of different events where you know at least three and a mass murderer which is what they prefer to be called or spree killer kills a bunch of people you know all at once so they are serial mass murderers basically and because they go to different locations and they kill everyone there except for one person. They leave one person alive to tell the story. Very Bonnie and Clyde-like. Right. That's a, I think that was a Bonnie and Clyde thing or, you know, some of those other gangs from the 30s that, that robbed banks during the Great Depression and became folk heroes. That's, that's, uh, this reminds me of a lot of that. But in the 30s, there was a reason for that. The, the, there was the Great Depression was on. Uh, there was a feeling that the government and the banks and the business industries had destroyed everyone's lives and taken everything from them. So when people rose up and said, well, screw the banks, we're going to take the money back from them. And a lot of times, you know, give it to, to different, uh, you know, poor groups and, and, and stuff like that. Right. They were heroes. But the reality of Bonnie and Clyde was they killed a bunch of cops. They killed a bunch of cops and, and other people as well. So, yeah, they weren't heroes. They were criminals and they were, you know, gunned down and murdered. Um, and it's the same thing here, obviously. But they have a giant fan club. There are people with, with Mickey and Mallory signs and T-shirts. Right. And it's like an event. It's very weird. Yeah. And so they're spree killers with it. We open the movie with them in a cafe and Juliette Lewis starts to dance. Mallory starts to dance to the jukebox. This guy comes in, wants to dance with her and everything. And then it looks like they're being kind of creepy or whatever. Mickey, you know, takes a knife out, murder, you know, eviscerates this one guy. Uh, they start shooting other people. They just kill everyone in there, except they have to leave one person alive. So it's between the waitress and some guy that had walked in. 
and they do each Juliet Lewis does any mini mini mo <laughs> right it's so terrible and the waitress loses and gets shot and then the other guy lives and they tell him you know tell him that this was Mickey and Mallory Mickey and Mallory Knox yes they have the same last name now because as we find out later they get married at some point so, so through a series of flashbacks a very long flashback scene also very well cast with Rodney Dangerfield they do this play on like it's a sitcom and but it's her life and Rodney Dangerfield is clearly an abusive incestuous father Ugh. who you know talks about how you know go upstairs and get yourself clean because I'm gonna check how clean you are and and all that stuff because he's gonna have sex with her so gross and and all this stuff but the audience is laughing the canned laughter from the audience it do, after every line delivered no no matter how horrible it is there's a there's laughter because and this is why it's it's perfect to use Rodney Dangerfield in this because it's all comedically timed so every line that he's delivered even though he's talking about raping her and, and things like that it's all delivered in comedy you know in comedy meter so so the audience laughs and i think it's supposed to be a play on tv is so trash now and there are so many things that either they talk they talk explicitly about sex or there's violence or, or whatever it, but because it's all in the formula that we know the formula is all we care about we don't care about any of the substance right. of what's going on in the show so i think that's what it's supposed to be a play on which uh, there is some criticism for television right now i think based on that but then uh so we get that flashback and then we get when they meet he was the meat guy and they he ends up taking her from this place and killing uh, her mother and father. Although, hang on though, because they meet. Yeah. Her, he takes her. Her dad's screaming about calling the police or whatever, and then he's in jail. Yeah. And she goes to visit him in jail. So I think he got arrested for. What kidnapping? Like what? I don't know what they would have arrested him for. Yeah, I, the like. Not it wouldn't have been quite kidnapping because he would have been in jail for longer. So I think it would have been like um, he broke out. Oh, did he? He broke out of jail. Yeah, he was out in the fields and remember, like he killed somebody and like took out and he shows up there wearing oh, what yeah. he was wearing. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So, so yeah, I guess it would have been kidnapping. He called the police and said, "Hey, he took her. She's you know." Seventeen, maybe. Yeah, sixteen, seventeen years old, something like that. And so, yeah, they would have taken that seriously. Although she was in an adult prison at the end of the movie. Yeah, but I think, well, first of all, given the scope of her crimes, she would be no matter what her age. Right, right. And I think some time has passed since they killed the parents. So I'm guessing that... Basically, she starts off, she's like 16 or 17, and then she's supposed to be like maybe 19 or 20 when they get, when they get caught. And he's older. Right. He probably started off as, you know, maybe 19, something like that. And he's in his maybe mid 20s when they, uh, when they end up getting caught. Okay. So that's, that's my guess as far as the, the ages go on this. But, uh, they start their life of, uh, you know, murdering, basically. And, they become media sensations. People talk about them all over the place. There's a hard copy like show 
hosted by Robert Downey Jr. called American Maniacs. I think it's like a cross between hard copy and America's Most Wanted. And the voice that he's decided to use is the like the Robin Leach voice. Yeah. Lifestyles of the rich and famous. He's he sounds a little more Australian than that, but that's that's the voice that he's going with. And I think it makes it it turns it from it sells the idea of turning it from you know a, a straightforward look at serial killers like in a in a serious way for serious people and blending it with entertainment. So you know Robin Leach obviously is so is so synonymous with entertainment and things like that. These profile shows that he does and everything. I think that's what it's supposed to do. It's supposed to. It's sort of like, hey, this is entertainment. This is, yeah, we're talking about serial killers. We're talking about horrible things, but this is this is entertainment, right? And so he's following them as well. There's their story. He's getting big ratings from them. They and they basically, there's not honestly, there's not a lot story wise to the movie. They go on uh, this road trip uh, from Utah to Arizona, basically, where they're they're killing people all along the way. They meet uh, an Indian man, a native, a native man that kind of helps them out. He accidentally gets killed. Yeah, kind of accidentally. Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, what's Mickey is having a nightmare. Yep. And when he wakes up, he apparently was sleeping with his gun in his fucking hands. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. And so he just shoots him. Yep. And apparently the guy saw this happen. Yeah, he said, like, the whole time they're with the Indian guy, you know, they're, he, it's, like, over them, like, demon and stuff, but, and he says that he saw this happen 20 years ago. He knew the demon was coming. Yeah. So he's referring to Mickey as a demon, and he knew he was going to kill him, but he still took them in. Yep. Yeah, weird. Like, it's a very, the fate plays a big role in this movie. It's a big underlying theme. Mickey mentions fate many times when he first meets Mallory. He, he talks about it being fate. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, this Indian, uh, you know, is accepting his fate. Uh, and, and Mickey talks about fate later in the, in the interview that he has with Robert Downey Jr.'s character. Uh, so fate's a big thing throughout this whole, this whole thing. And, uh, so anyway, so they accidentally kill him. Then, uh, they, he gets bitten by a snake. He, they have a fight. Mickey and Mallory. Yeah. <laughs> Have a fight about you know uh, him cheating or, or something like that. So, he, well, yeah, that that happened before this. Well, yeah, that's true. But yeah, it's so gross. They're they're on the road, and he's talking about, hey, let's pick up a hostage. Mm-hmm. And like he's like, how about this girl? How about that girl? Like you can tell he wants to pick up a girl to fucking bring to bed with them. Yeah. So gross, and I mean, I feel so bad for Mallory. I mean, she went from yeah, being I feel bad for that mass murderer, too. sexually abused by her father, mm-hmm. and probably raped, you know, continuously. Yeah, and now she's with him and thinks that he's her knight in shining armor, but he wants to rape girls in front of her and bring them to bed with them and stuff. Like, you know, it's funny too because Mickey is also the victim of childhood trauma. Yes. As we as we learn later, people think he killed his father when he was, I don't know, like five or six years old or whatever. But through flashbacks from his perspective, we see that his father went into a field and killed himself with a shotgun in front of his five or six year old child. 
which obviously would be horrifyingly uh, traumatizing. So both of these, you know, people are quote unquote victims of childhood trauma, which, you know, I mean, it's it's one of those things where people talk about, oh, you know, can they be held responsible for their actions and everything because of all this terrible stuff that happened to them? But it's still like that happens to lots of people and not everyone's response to that is let's murder a bunch of people. I wouldn't say it happens to lots of people. Not to the extent, first of all, the, I mean, the extent of abuse they're describing for her. Yeah. That's, uh, yes, lots of people, unfortunately, as a really sad, do get molested, get raped. Yes, mm-hmm. it happens. But to have it happen just on a constant basis for, like, years and years and years, that's not something that happens to everyone or a lot of people, I mean. But how many of those people do you think grow up to be serial murderers? No, I know they don't. But I'm just saying it, it is something. I wouldn't say, oh, you know, they should just deal with it better. No, what I'm saying is I feel bad for her, but it's not an excuse to murder everyone. No, it's not. I'm not saying it is, but I can still have sympathy for her. I can have sympathy for her, but but also condemnation for for you know how she decides to act out on this. Yeah. So anyway, uh, so yeah, he sees his dad kill himself in in a field, and so. What were you saying? Oh, yeah. So he actually, he gets bitten by a rattlesnake. So they go to a pharmacy. They both got bit. Oh, did they both get bitten? Yeah, they both got bitten. It happened when they were running away after killing the Indian. Right. They, it was like just a ton of rattlesnakes in the desert. They just walked into like that a was, bunch of them. That was weird, too, because that's not a normal thing to happen. Well, I think it was like revenge for what happened to the guy. Yeah, probably. But anyway, so... Um, so they, they, they go to this pharmacy to get snake juice, as, <laughs> as they call it, anti-venom. And there's a lot of things that happen in this movie that, that are clearly not real, that these two people are seeing things not the way normal people see. Right. Because he's on the shelf, he looks at the shelves, all the, all the shelves are empty, and it says anti-venom sold out, or something yeah, like there's that. Yeah, there's like, it's like post-it notes. Like plastered everywhere, saying like saying sold out where it should be, right? And obviously, anti venom isn't something that would just be on the shelves of a pharmacy, right? Even so, behind the counter. Yeah, yeah. They they go to the pharmacy, but it's, they're not going to find. You have to go to a hospital, which the guy tells him right before he shoots him. Yeah, you have to go to a hospital to get what you're looking for, and so you know he shoots him, he kills him, he, he just loads up all the stuff. Mallory goes outside, and lo and behold, the police are there. Tom Sizemore plays this really corrupt cop. It's, like, terrible. It's implied that he rapes uh, some woman and, uh, like, uh, you know, maybe kills her. I think he killed her. He says he killed. he's killed people before. And so, yeah, he's a terrible police officer. But anyway, he's got Mallory there. He's got a knife. He says, I'm going to cut her tits off. Unless you come out, you know, all this stuff. He's scarring her up. Uh, they they have sort of a firefight. Then uh, Mickey decides, okay, you know, I'm, I'm done. And he throws his weapon down. He gets electrocuted uh, with tasers. And they get arrested. They get arrested and taken to Tommy Lee Jones's jail. <laughs> Tommy Lee Jones looking like a supervillain. Right. With this really weird hair. Everything is shot very strangely. He, um... He's the warden of this prison that is also embracing 
the celebrity of everything going on around him with these two. And he, uh, you know, he, this whole thing becomes basically a media event. Robert Downey Jr. wants to come in and interview him right right after the Super Bowl or at halftime of the Super Bowl or something like that. It's this big coordinated media event. And, And that's, and then, okay, so I'm going to rush through the rest of the plot real quick because I want to because there are there are concepts I want to talk about, and we're going super long. But anyway, so a riot happens, sort of out of their control. They they don't they as they as they point out, people are going to say we masterminded it, we didn't, and it's clear because we follow them the whole way that they didn't. That corrupt cop comes in there to molest her. Tommy Lee Jones also wants him to murder Mickey and Mallory. Uh, as part of a, you know, an escape attempt kind of thing. And, you know, he agrees that he's going to do it, but he wants to rape her first, apparently, before he kills her. I guess that's his modus operandi. Anyway, so we don't really go into his character much, but uh, I guess he's a rapist and murderer, yeah, but, but pretty, also a police officer. Much. So anyway, um, uh, they, they're having this interview. This riot breaks out uh, because they're kind of inspired by what Woody Harrelson's saying. Uh, during the interview. The interview is apparently being broadcast live. So this riot happens. For some reason, all the cops standing around with shotguns while they're waiting to continue for this riot to be put into place are just cool with him walking around and <laughs> and everything. R- absolutely ridiculous. Right. As he tells this stupid joke. And he grabs a shotgun from one of them, just starts killing all the guards... And no one starts shooting at him. It's sort of unbelievable how this happens. But uh, he kills all of them, and then Robert Downey Jr. is left alive with his cameraman and, and, you know, one other person, I think. And he's like, you're going to, you know, film this. I'm I'm going to get Mallory kind of thing. So he goes through as the riot's going on, and he's, you know, killing people and and all this stuff. He gets Mallory. They kill the cop together. Uh, They get through the, the riot. They get into this van. They escape the jail cell. They go to the woods. They kill other people. They kill the rest of the crew along the way until only Robert Downey Jr. is left. And they put the camera down. They start talking to him. And Robert Downey, or Woody Harrelson during this entire interview, because he kind of gives the, the, he gives the underpinning of the philosophy of Mickey and Mallory during this interview about how Murder is pure, and all of God's creatures murder each other, and, and things like that. We murder animals, blah 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 blah, all this stuff. Uh, what he doesn't point out is that it's rare for animals of the same species to mur- murder each other. You know, if you consider like birds murderers because they eat squir- they eat uh, worms. Birds like sparrows rarely kill other sparrows. Uh, lions rarely kill other lions. Monkeys rarely kill other monkeys. You know, they usually, it's one species killing another weaker, inferior one. That's really more how nature works. So humans killing other humans would not necessarily be how nature would work. We'd be killing inferior things. So it's unnatural. In my opinion, yes. They are natural born killers, as they say, but yeah, they were just unnatural. They were born to murder people, which is clearly not the case. Right. Because they went through traumas that turned them into murderers, which is sort of the point of the movie. But from their perspective, they were born to be murderers. Right. Anyway, so he kind of gives all this philosophy underpinning and everything in this interview. And he says, but he's done now. He, he is getting rid of the demon 
Because the only thing that will defeat the demon is love. And that's what Mallory has taught him. So he needs Mallory's love to defeat the demon. So anyway, they go to the woods and they're going to kill uh, Robert Downey Jr. Robert Downey Jr. is like, no, 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 you can't do that. You know, I thought you said you were done with killing and, and you know, I thought we bonded and love kills demon and everything. He's like, yeah, I am done with killing and, and love does kill a demon. But, you know, you have to be the last one because killing you is a symbol of something because he's the one that's he represents the media, basically. And he says, oh, but you got to keep somebody alive to tell your story. And he's like, we are your camera. <laughs> right. <laughs> so because it's everything's going out live. So they murder him. He accepts his fate. They murder him. And then they, they drive off. And then we see them with, with two kids and she's pregnant and they're in an RV over the credits. And that's the end of the movie. So now lots of stuff to get into. First of all, Carol. Yes. What did you think of the movie? I really like the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that, like, the stylized way that it was filmed, I know you kind of think it's over the top, which I guess it is, but at the same time, I, I feel like it's necessary. It's like, you know, the medicine <laughs> goes down better with some sugar. I think uh, you needed to have it seem so unreal in order to to deal with the very heavy and disturbing topics of the movie. Yeah, so I didn't love this movie. Uh, I thought this movie was fine, I guess. But yeah, as you alluded to, one of the big problems that I have with it is this movie is so over the top and in your face that it can't, it can't even be taken seriously for a second on anything. It doesn't, it doesn't resonate or stay with me in any way. It doesn't, it doesn't hit me emotionally in any way. Because, you know, Oliver Stone is not known for his subtlety, obviously, and that is on full display here. There is no restraint at, at all. Because this movie is so like, uh, it's the violence on TV. Do you get it? Do you see? Do you understand? We're too violent. We're watching too many. But we're, we, <coughs> we love OJ Simpson. We love the Menendez brothers. Do you get it? It's like, wow. Yeah, that I understand. That was really loud. Ow. But it's like, yeah, I understand. I, I get it. You, you know, like, it's super in your face. Yeah, I mean, there are a couple of scenes like that. that the whole movie is like that. I mean, okay, the whole movie is stylized and I guess a little in your face, but I don't know. I, I still liked it. I, I think I'm just an easier audience member than you. One thing that I did enjoy about the film is that when we see things from Mickey and Mallory's perspective, it, it, it shifts back and forth between black and white, between color, and then between hyper, hyper color. Like, right. where it's, it, it's like, you know, these, these big reds, like Stanley Kubrick lit the entire thing. Um, and just everything is sort of out of kilter, out of focus. Everything is filmed crazy. And I think that's to show the the insanity of their perspective. But like I was telling you, I think one of the reasons that they did it this way is because, like you were saying, sort of making it more palatable, it's sort of supposed to represent television. So we watch television, we see all these horrible crimes and things on television or the, the, you know, like depraved sex or whatever on television but everything is 
it's not real because of the there's something about the the images, the flickering image of a television screen and, and that television screen represents something that's not reality. You wouldn't react to somebody like some you could see somebody getting shot on television and you would react way differently than you would if you saw someone get shot in person. Right, of course. Because there's a warping effect of the of the television screen. And I think that's what the way this is filmed is supposed to mimic and I I think that's an interesting idea. But the the main thing is I just totally reject the concept of the film. That see the film seems to be taking the point of view that there's violence all in the media and me and violence is celebrated in the media. Therefore, we are violent as a society that the TV is influencing us. And I don't agree. I think it's the other way around. I think human beings are violent as a species and we influence the TV. We influence what is popular to program on television. So, you know, as a, as a species, we like sex and we like violence. And that's what, that's what sells because that's what speaks to our animalistic part of ourselves. But didn't you just finish saying that murder of one human to another is not natural? Yeah, but that doesn't mean that, that doesn't mean that violence and murder of another human being are, are different things. Well, yeah. I mean, I guess. So, you know, we like fighting, not necessarily murdering, but fighting other people is very natural. You know, think of cavemen and stuff like that fighting each other for territory and things like that. And other animals fight with each other all the time for dominance and and to establish territory and, and things like that. That stuff happens constantly. So you're telling me that if, like, two lions or two bears or two tigers are fighting over something, they're not going to kill each other. They're not going to fight to the death. No, rarely do they fight to the death. Huh. They usually fight till one just gives up, okay. and then that's the uh, the one that gives up is the beta, and the alpha is the the one that, that doesn't give up. Interesting. It's like a game of chicken. Okay. I think I don't know. I could be totally wrong about all this, <laughs> but but I do think that that we influence what's on the on the television, not the other way around. Yeah, I agree with you. And I don't think they'd have fan clubs now. Like I said, Bonnie and Clyde had people that were supporting them for a very specific reason because it was a very specific period of time in the United States. I don't think... I mean, O.J. Simpson doesn't have a fan club right now. You know, there are people that think O.J. Simpson didn't do it. They think he's innocent. But no one's like, yeah, I bet he killed both of them, and we love it. We love (laughs) that he did that. No one's saying that. Just because it's popular to, to watch the drama of this unfold doesn't mean that anyone's celebrating the actual act. And that's the difference. It's like the Lyle and Eric Menendez thing with killing their parents. So they show, Oliver Stone shows several clips to 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 hit us over the head and emphasize his point towards the end of this movie. And Lyle and Eric Menendez are on there, O.J. Simpson's on there, which probably must have been during production. They right. Must, they must have edited that in. Yeah, it's certainly... I'm pretty sure they started filming this before that happened. Yeah. But they do the Tanya Harding thing 
which that wasn't murder. That was just drama. They do the Lorena Bobbitt thing, which also wasn't murder, unless I guess that guy's penis got murdered. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, that's, that's also drama. It's the reason that we like this stuff or the reason that people are interested in watching this stuff is because of the unnatural nature of it. Like I told you before, the re- reason people are interested in serial killers is because serial killers think in a way that is alien from which we think. And we're like, what? That's interesting. How, how, like, we want, human beings want answers. Human beings want to understand how things work. That's part of our makeup. And that's why, you know, anytime there's a, like a serial killer, there's a murder spree or something like that, people say, why? Why did this person do it? It's the first question everyone asks. But usually there's no satisfactory answer to that question because there's no simple cause and effect. This person's brain was diseased and think thought differently than normal human beings. And that's a hard thing for that's a hard concept for people to understand. And that's why it's fascinating. Right. So I think it all works together, the unnaturalness of, of killing and, you know, our our violent nature and and our, um, you know, our need to understand things. I think it all kind of works together to make violence popular. And I don't think I don't think it ever won't be. But I think our society has gone through periods of being more or less violent. But it doesn't, you know, like look back at, you know, the before the turn of the century, the Mexican-American War, the Civil War. All the the horrible killing that was going on there, slavery, all this terrible stuff, the Crusades. I mean, you could go back, you know, look at the Middle East, where that where you know places where they don't where they don't have TV or they don't watch TV or they don't play video games and things like that. And there's horrible violence there as well. Right. You know, the, it's there's a big difference. There's a and it doesn't influence that kind of stuff. I don't think. So I don't think that the TV or the video games or anything influences this kind of violence. I think that this kind of violence just exists. And TV violence and movie violence is different than real life violence. And, you know, I think that's like it's it's almost like cartoon violence. It's not quite that over the top, although I could see a filmmaker doing that at some point. But it's it's not real. Yeah. And that's the difference. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. But so I just re- totally reject the premise of this film from that point of view. But it was still an interesting watch. I mean, it's it's interesting story, interesting characters. And yeah, it's weird. And it kind of reminds you of a acid trip. But a little. It was an enjoyable experience. It's it's an interesting film. It's very well acted. There are some sequences that I think really work, but there are there are too many sequences in the film that are just that are just like look look at this this is exactly what I mean. There's no subtlety in this movie. This movie could have used much more subtlety. This movie shouldn't have been directed by Oliver Stone. I don't know that I would have wanted to watch it if it were any more serious though. Not necessarily more serious. It could be just as satirical and just as just as kind of sardonic, but not 
as in your face about it. More subtle. Okay. And there's no way that these two people, by the way, went on to have two kids and she's <laughs> pregnant with a third kid. That the amount of time that would take and where they're just driving in an RV across the country and no one ever saw them and they never got caught again. Right. Yeah, because the whole no country way. was supposed to be like following their case and, you know, they have fan clubs and everything else and, and yeah. they're in an RV. It's not like they're on they're a pick- ship or in the frickin' rainforest or something. Right. They're driving around the United States. Their picture is everywhere. Everyone yeah. knows what they look like. They're on the cover of People magazine. There is no way. That is not a. Re- so. That ending has to be false. Like, it has to be... We see a lot of things from their perspective that obviously isn't true, like I said with the anti-venom stuff and all that stuff. I think I think maybe that's the that's them imagining this in the maybe an hour after they've killed Robert Downey Jr.'s character and their actual end is going to be murdered by police. Right. That's, that's my point of view. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it, it, was, it was a cute thought that would not happen no and there's just no like and they're supposed to be this nuclear family and everything and i I get i get what they're doing they're they're it's a take on you know traditional family values all this stuff and everything it's all there's lots of political allegories in here And, and i'm sure that there are people way smarter than i am that could delve in farther into all the political and social and economic and all these different allegories going on in this film it's a film with a lot of ideas and it's a very interesting film and i'm not saying it's a bad film it's a it's a good movie i just didn't love it because i think it was too it was too in your face with with everything that you needed to pull back and be more subtle and i think it could have still been palatable being more subtle pulling back because as you're pulling back in the subtlety you're also pulling back a little on the, the violence as well. I mean, obviously, it still has to be a, a fairly violent movie because of the subject matter, but you're pulling everything back. You're just restraining things a little bit more. And by the way, as I point out to you, and I know you don't agree with me, but this movie is not as gory as people will think it is. There's a lot of killing. The subject matter and the whole tone of the movie is very uh, like aggressive and violent, but... If you look at the amount of blood and things like that, the actual amount of gore in the movie, it's very minimalistic. And it's it's hidden by the way everything is shot. Yeah, I mean, I, I know you say this, and I I just, I know when I was watching it, I felt very uncomfortable. Well, that, the yeah, violence. that's because of the tone, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I guess you're right. There's not that much gore. But, I mean, it doesn't have to be gory to still be... Uh, offensive on the level of how much violence there is? No. No, no, not at all. And that's, it's, it's almost Hitchcockian in that way. That's, that's, and that's, that's another triumph of the movie and something that Oliver Stone does well. It is managing the tone of a movie like this without showing a lot of gore is good. And that's, that's skill as a filmmaker. Mm-hmm. You know, you, I think using gore or using a lot of gore is, it is cheating almost. It's shorthand. Right. You, you know, it's it's easy. It's the gross out thing. This hits on more of an emotional level because of the skill of the director to create this tone without using those tricks. I mean, even like like the rapes are implied. You know, yeah, we never the, see them. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like the one like when she leaves, when they have that fight, and he, you see that they were having sex, and the hostage was in the corner. Yeah. And she's like, "Why are you looking at her?" 
well, you know, she's like, just have sex with her and storms off. And he's like, maybe I will. And walks over and you're like, oh, no. But then it just stops there. So, yeah, you, know, we you get don't some, have to. We get some flashes of him, like, kissing on her and stuff oh, yeah, like that. Oh, yeah, we do. Yeah. But we don't actually see the rape. But he clearly does rape her. Yeah. And then kills her. Yeah. Which so, happens to several women in this movie, apparently. Why do you say that? Because the one the cop does, her, and then isn't there somebody else? I don't think they ever show it, but I mean, it seems like this is, you know, something he does on a regular basis. Yeah, well, there's a, there's lots of raping and lots of murder in this movie. But, like I said, you know, like, like you and like you pointed out, a lot of it is, it's more implied, there's more, especially the rape stuff, there's more, you know, it's more the tone, you know, and all this stuff. It's more the way that, that Rodney Dangerfield's face is framed, like, just his eyes. You yeah. know, low lit, right in there. It's almost like a comic book. It's yeah. Like, like very, you know, and that's a lot of what this is stylistically looks like. Um, but yeah, it's it's an it's it's a very it's probably the most interesting movie I've seen all year. Yeah, for sure. It, you know, it's got the most ideas. The you know, it's a very interesting script. Uh, like I said, I just I think it would be more effective, and it would it would make more of a lasting impression. If it wasn't so just right in your face about everything, yeah, I agree. Because it's like it's a di- it's the difference between somebody whispering things to you in your ear, saying like, "Hey, why don't you, why don't you, why don't you do this? Why don't you, why don't you go? Why don't you, why don't you say that that guy that you work with that you hate stole a bunch of stuff so he gets fired and you get the promotion? You know, it's the difference between that." And saying, like, you fucking kill that guy! You know, like, it's, that's the, that's the difference. It's, and one of them is just, like, uh, abrasive. And the other one can, you know, subtly influence the way you think. So, that's, uh, that's the big problem I have with the movie. Okay. Well, that is our show. For the week, uh, I don't know. Carol, end the show. Me? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm sick of ending the show. All right. So I don't know what our blockbuster pick of the week is. I'm just going to recommend that you go rent Gigi because uh, I, oh, really, yeah. I really enjoy that. I forgot that we, we need to end. And Wait a second. <laughs> we need to end this show as we do every show with our blockbuster pick of the week. Carol. This week you're recommending Gigi. I am. I have no idea what year it came out. Like probably 1959 or something. Uh, but it's a it's a good one. Well, you know what else came out? Hmm. Uh, or, or or is coming out? PCU. Oh yeah, we did that one. There's uh, another movie too that came out called Threesome. Huh. You ever heard of that one? Uh no. So that is uh, starring someone named Lara Flynn Boyle, uh, Stephen Baldwin, and Josh Charles. It's an autobiographical comedy mixed with some social commentary. Oh, gee, social commentary. Here we go. Right. So it's, uh, I think it's a girl having sex with these two guys at the same time. I doubt it. That's my guess. It's not a porn. Yeah, okay. Well, no, what happens is, is that this, uh, due to, so there's an error in the administration and 
she ends up being a college roommate with these two dudes. Oh, okay. Supposed to be three guys in the dorm room, but she ends up getting placed in there with two guys, which obviously they wouldn't do. Yeah, that would not happen. But I guess this really happens. (laughs) So they just live with it until until they can uh, they can move her to the female hall but uh she you know she falls in love with this one dude that turns out to be gay and yeah it's just there's wow i think you just spoiled the whole plot for anybody who might want to rent the movie no that happens pretty close to the beginning of the movie oh, okay but anyway so that's uh you know actually threesome is a it's a pretty decent film so if you want to check it out Go ahead and uh, check that one out. I think I want to check it out. All right. So anyway, continue ending the show. All right. So um, thanks for listening, everybody. And write us at latefee1994 mm-hmm. at AOL.com. Yeah, do that. And, um, you know, put stars all over the place. Tell and, friends uh, about the show. Yeah, tell people about us. Tell and them. uh yeah, hopefully. Tell everyone you know. You told me to end the show, so the let me show. end the show. Shut up. I'm subliminally <laughs> telling them in a, in the kind of subtlety that Oliver Stone could never do. Oh, Give um, us money. So hopefully next week my mouth feels better. And Give uh, us. Yeah, I hope so, too. I, I just appreciate all of our fans. Give and, us a uh, dollar have a good week. Bye. to keep the lights on. Bye.